<laughs> a group of expectant fathers were waiting in the waiting room. Back in the day, they weren't allowed to go into uh, the birthing room. I kind of wish that's the way it was now. It's, but a group of expectant fathers were waiting out there in the waiting room. And while their wife was in there giving birth, a nurse came in and announced to one man that his wife had just given birth to twins. And he said, wow, that's quite a coincidence. I play for the Minnesota Twins. Well, they kept waiting. A few minutes later, another nurse came out and she announced to another man, she said, sir, your wife just gave birth to triplets. And he said, isn't that a coincidence? I work for the 3M company. Well, they're kind of looking around. About that time, a man across the room fell on the floor, began to hyperventilate. The nurse ran over, sir, are you okay? He said, no, I work for 7-Up. <laughs> I thought that was cute. I want to talk to you about the blessing that God has given to every single man. It is a scriptural blessing. But before I get there, I want to read you something that I came across uh, that I think you will really enjoy. And I believe that God needs, uh, needs these, these kind of things again. I want to talk, you know, there's, if I can find in my brain here. Um, it's entitled A Different Drug Problem. The local newspaper in Iola's Parish, Louisiana, printed the following article. The editor note said, the following letter has appeared on the internet and was viewed by many, many of our readers, and I felt that they all need to hear this again. The other day, someone at a store our town, uh, in our town read that a methamphetamine lab had been found in an old farmhouse in the adjoining country, county and asked one of the elder men there, why didn't we have a drug problem when you and I were growing up? He replied, I did have a drug problem when I was young. I was drugged to church on Sunday morning. I was drugged to church for weddings and funerals. I was drugged to family reunions and community, so uh, community socials, no matter the weather. I was drugged by my ears when I was disrespectful to adults. I was also drugged to the woodshed when I disobeyed my parents, told a lie, brought home a bad report card, did not speak with respect, spoke ill of the teacher or the preacher, or if I didn't put forth my best effort in everything that was asked of me. I was drugged to the kitchen sink to have my mouth washed out with soap if I uttered a profanity. I was drugged out to pull weeds in mom's garden and flower beds and cockleburs out in dad's fields. I was drugged to the homes of family, friends, and neighbors to help out some poor soul who had no one to mow the yard, repair the clothes, the clothesline, or, or chop firewood. And if my mother had ever known that I took a single dime as a tip for this kindness, she would have drugged me back to the woodshed. Those drugs are still in my veins and they affect my behavior in everything that I do and everything that I say or think. They are stronger than cocaine, crack or heroin. And if today's children had this kind of drug problem, America would be a whole lot better place. Thank God for moms and dads that drug their kids. Amen. And if you want that, I'll have them make you copies of that that you could take home. Thank God for the parents that drug their kids. I want to speak to you about the blessing, the Father's blessing. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 21, it reads, It was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. Jacob provides the most descriptive example in Scripture of a father's blessing his children, but not only his children, also his grandchildren. As he was nearing death, he gathered his family together, and he blessed each one of his sons and also his grandsons who were fathered by Joseph. As parents, we have the ability to impact our children like never before. While a mother's role of nurturing and caring is vitally important, without the father's approval and the father's validation, the child will feel a tremendous void in their life. Every person needs the blessing from their father. 
Many adults struggle today with low self-esteem, though they would never admit it. They would never say it. They would never talk about it. But it's the truth nonetheless. There are star athletes and business people and They'd be multimillionaires even. You wouldn't imagine how many who are constantly pushing and striving and working to prove to themselves and to prove to others that they actually have something of worth to give. You might be sitting here this evening. All because their father's lack of affirmation. Their father never told them, I'm proud of you. He never made them feel approved, so they are still trying to measure up and gain the approval that can only come from the Father's blessing. Fathers, we have something to give our children that nobody else can give. And as the Father, you have the God-given authority to bless your child. Every time you say, I'm proud of you, I love you, you're beautiful, you're handsome, I really think you're the, you're the best thing in the world. You're gifted. God releases strength into your child. They receive from you not only the knowledge that you love them, but they also receive a sense of self-worth, of value, of confidence, and security. These are just not nice words. It's what the Bible calls the blessing. You're propelling your child towards their God-given destiny. And I believe America needs dads more than we've ever needed them before. In fact, I need to say that again. I believe America needs dads more than we've ever needed them before. And simply because of what we are facing in today's culture. Now, while the Marines, they, their slogan is looking for a few good men, I believe the church needs to say we are looking for a few godly men. We need godly men. A few years ago, I came across an article in L.A. Time magazine. The article was about the invisible dad. The article pointed out that many American men are disconnecting from their family and their life, and society is paying a high price. The article went on to say, consider two of the nation's most serious problems, crime and teenage pregnancy. Studies shows that the most reliable predictor of these behavior is not income, it's not race, it's not politics, no, it's the family structure. Teenage pregnant girls and criminal teenage boys tend to come from fatherless homes. That's what the statistics are telling us. Christian pollster George Barna said, an astonishing 70% of imprisoned minors have spent the majority of their lives without their fathers. 70%. Now this article from LA Time Magazine went on to quote a man by the name of Father Gregory Boyle, who is a priest, he since passed away, in East Los Angeles, California. He spent 40 years of his life and his ministry trying to reach the gangs of South Central Los Angeles. Father Boyle once wrote down the names of 100 gang members who he knew and ministered to personally. And by their names, he wrote down their family history. He was shocked to realize that 95 out of the 100 boys on his ministry list that he ministered to personally never lived with their biological father or even knew who he was. Friends, dads are so important because they are a visible link between the children and their father that is in heaven. Hear it again. Dads are so important because they are a visible link between the children and the father that's in heaven. See, many of the attitudes that children will develop towards God will be connected to the ones that they have towards their fathers. And the potential impact of a good and godly father is immeasurable. Now, I know that we are all very busy and it's easy to get sidetracked. They tell us now, statistics say, that there's no such thing as the 40-hour work week. No, the average family is working 60 hours or more just to make ends meet. So we can now say we don't have a work schedule, we have a life sentence. The cost of everything and inflation. 
And if we're not careful, we could be like two ships just passing in the night. You're going your way, she's going her way, and the kids are somewhere in the middle. And if your life was anything like mine when my children were growing up, it was, it was Carlene would say, okay, today you take these two and I'll take these two. And you go to football practice and, and I'll go over here to music lessons and, and we'll meet somewhere in the middle. And then drive through, the, drive through and get Kentucky Fried Chicken. And by the time you lay down to go to bed, you're both exhausted to get up at 6 in the morning that she can go to work and I can start the ministry. And life gets tough. And I know that we get very busy. I know that it's easy to get sidetracked. Or even at odds with our teenagers or our adult children, especially when they're not living right or doing right. And we may think, well, come on, Pastor, when they straighten up, I'll be a little nicer. Or when I'm not so busy, I'll spend some more time with them. See, some of you in this room aren't old enough to remember an old song from the 70s called Cats in the Cradle. If you don't know it, you need to look it up. Cats in the cradle and the silver spoon. Little boy blue and the man on the moon. When are you coming home, Dad? I don't know when. But we'll get together then, son. We'll have a good time then. And now we have a generation that's suffering. Now someone might be saying, well, come on, Randy. They know I'm proud of them. They know I love them. I told them 20 years ago when I brought them home from the hospital. And if it changes, I'll let them know. No, they need to hear it again and again and again and again. You're the father. You carry the blessing. Don't withhold your love, your affection, your approval. I know there are many who have never received this blessing from your father. Maybe he wasn't around or when you were growing up, maybe he was there, but all he was was there to correct you and tell you what you were doing wrong. He didn't show affection or make you feel valuable. Listen, friend, now that you're a child of God, now that you're born again, now that you're a Christian, don't let that negative cycle get passed on to the next generation. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the power that is within inside of you, you have an anointing that abides. That powerful move of God that's residing in you, you have the power to break that cycle. And you can make a difference and set a new standard in your family by blessing your children on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis. Now the blessing I am speaking about is not simply a financial blessing or a materialistic blessing. No, 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 no. You see, we live in a culture that it's easy to do that. To just go ahead and throw money at the kids or get them involved in something and, well, I'm doing my part. And the Bible does call us as fathers to take care of our children. No, friend, the blessing I'm speaking about goes so much deeper. The blessing I'm speaking about and what the Bible teaches starts out by you as fathers calling out the seeds of greatness that's in them. The seed of greatness that God planted in them when he created them. Tell them what they can become in the life and the power of the Holy Spirit. Praying over them and prophesying to their future. You see, that's what prophecy is. When we're praying correctly, when we're praying under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, it, prayer is much prophecy as anything else. And you're prophesying to their future. You say, well, Randy, what's that sound like? Well, that prayer would sound something like this. Lord, I pray that my sons and daughters would fulfill Acts, the second chapter, that says in the last days your sons and daughters will prophesy that they would rise up to the purpose and the plan of God in their life, that they would be more of a threat to hell than hell is a threat to them. Lord, I'm praying that you would rise up inside of them. Give them a godly spouse. Give them a godly wife. Give them a godly husband. That they might raise children in the admonition of the Holy Spirit of God. And may the favor of God rest upon them. May the anointing of the Holy Spirit touch them. In Jesus' name, it would sound something like that. You say, well, why in the world would we pray that way? Because we're dealing with an American culture and an environment that is far more destructive than anything that was brought to bear on you and me in the years of our upbringing. And as fathers, we can pray for an outpouring of God's spirit on our children. 
the children that are under age 10, the teenagers that have not reached age 20, the young people in their late 20s and 30s, they've undergone a shaping in an environment that is far more destructive than anything that came against you and I. A culture that is filled with far more confusion than anything that shaped us, irrespective of how disturbed or destructive any one of our personal backgrounds may have been. And friends, that's not a matter of hanging words of despair. It's a matter of looking at the facts of our current culture and the environment and what it's doing to the American family and to the fabric of our nation. Moreover, it gives us as fathers a clear directive that we are to rise up as the men of God and the fathers, the directive is simple. We have to pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the next generation that we would literally begin to pray as one cohesive unit. Every man in this church pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the next generation. Would you all say that with me? Pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the next generation. Come on, say it again. Pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the next generation. And gentlemen, the reason that God is calling us to this battle is because there is a spirit that is being poured out upon them by the powers of darkness. And only an outpouring of the Holy Spirit of God can neutralize that which is coming with such destruction upon them. Would you agree with me that we are pressed by evil times? Do you agree that we're oppressed by dark circumstances and being shaped in an environment of lost values? The Bible says that in the last days, demon or evil or ferocious times will come. Now, those series of words that I just used to define the times are actually words that are wrapped up in the Greek text of 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1, where it says, In the last days, perilous times shall come, or dangerous times will come. The word that is used there is laden with everything demonic, everything destructive. And the Bible speaks of a time that just before Jesus comes, there'll be gross darkness. If you'll recall Israel, before their deliverance from Egypt, they were in a culture where darkness came, and the scripture says it was darkness that could be felt. It was darkness that could be felt. On May 24th, 2022, Satan stepped up his attack as 18-year-old Salvador Ramos fatally shot 19 students and two teachers and wounded 17 other people at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas. Earlier in the day, he shoots and he kills his grandmother over a disputed phone bill. She wanted him to pay some of the phone bill and he got angry and shot her. But let's not let the moment pass without talk, taking a hard look at the whole story. Because this Texas tragedy is a tragedy on multiple levels, innocent lives taken mercilessly. And yes, gun control advocates have all jumped on and focused and they said, well, the reason it happened was the availability of guns so he can get them easy. That's why it happened. Really? Is that really the case? Is that really the root cause? After all, Chicago has some of the most stringent gun laws in the nation. Illinois right now has some of the most stringent gun laws in the nation, and yet Chicago, Illinois is known as Murder City, USA. Someone told me the night is called, what was the name? Where are you? He told me. Yes, Chirac where people are just killing each other like crazy. I was sharing with somebody in the lobby, sitting in the coffee, having coffee, that while I was getting ready for church tonight, I had the television on and the news was on, and they were saying that people in Wrigleyville right now are in panic. How many have heard this? Because people are being taken off the streets in Wrigleyville, right by the Cubs Stadium. They're being pulled into cars at gunpoint, robbed, driven around the city, and then released, and it's happened three or four times in the last two days. And we look at that and we say, what in the world is going on? And, and many will say, oh, well, it's gun control and, and they need to control guns. Come on now. Could there be something more? 
See, if you read about the information coming out about this shooter in Uvalde, Texas, sadly you can see this tragedy started many, many years ago. And I'm in no way excusing what the gunman did, and each and every one of us must take responsibility for our own actions. No, this young man was pure evil. He was pure evil. However, this tragedy is far more complex than gun control. It is societal, it is cultural, and it is spiritual. The young man was born into a single-parent home. His mother was reportedly on drugs. Dad was a criminal with a criminal record never mentioned in this young man's life. I believe there's pictures of it that I sent. And the young man, was, he had a stutter when he spoke. And he was mercilessly bullied in middle school. He was ridiculed for the way he spoke. An introvert by nature, he was left to his own selfish, destructive psychosis. Now listen, friend, I am not saying in no way that every single child or every single person who has a tough childhood becomes a mass murderer. No, I'm not saying that at all, and thank God for that. But friends, this young man and many like him are easy pickings for the devil. Easy pickings for a culture that can care less about who you are and who I am. It completely reminds me of a story when Jesus stepped out of the boat coming out of the Sea of Galilee. A man there filled with a legion full of demons comes running at Jesus. This man is completely filled with a legion. That means he's got many, many, many demons in him. He's screeching like a wild animal. No one can restrain him. And this demon speaks out through the man's mouth, looks right at Jesus and says, Jesus, son of Nazareth, we know who you are. Have you come here to torment us? The audacity of a demon from hell to have the audacity, he's destroying this man's life. This man cannot have a relationship with his wife, can't have a relationship with his children. He's living among the dead, and yet these demons have the audacity to ask the Savior, have you come to torment me? And I just explained to you the current culture that we are living in, that our children are growing up in. Satan can care less about you or your children. And there's got to be an answer. Friends, this young man and many like him are easy pickings for the devil. For the very nature of Satan is to rob, kill, steal, and destroy. And this tragedy started with a father and a mother who couldn't get their own life in order. And we are living in a time where darkness can be felt. And now add on top of that the war in Ukraine the threats from Putin of nuclear war, the shootings at the church in California where a Taiwanese church in Laguna, Laguna Woods, California, in the midst of their worship service on a Sunday morning, just a couple months ago, a gunman comes in and starts to mow them down. The shooting at Topps Grocery Store in Detroit, Michigan. The George Floyd riots that have literally left many of our major cities unable to even have any kind of semblance of normalcy because of the buildings that are still boarded up. The police that are afraid to go in. People that are living lives locked behind doors. The COVID-19 virus, the fear that is gripping our nation still. Our children are surrounded by this darkness. And yes, we live through it as well, and it's a destructive effect on all of us. However, the children that are sitting right over here are being raised at its highest point of intensity. And dads, you hear me. We can encounter that spirit in the power of the Holy Spirit. And your home can be a shelter against the chaos and the fear and the confusion and the doubt in this current culture. 
that, sir, you can set the temperature in your home. Your home needs to be a safe harbor that when your babies come in from this crazy world that they feel the peace and the love and the joy and the contentment through the power of the Holy Spirit because as you say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord and I will apply the blood of Jesus to the doorpost of our home and this death angel will not come in. Come on, if you believe that, clap your hands and praise him. Yes. Based on our God-given role as the priest of our home, gentlemen, we can pray for an overflow of divine grace and power in the midst of decay, and God will answer your prayer. Oh, do you agree with me that we need to pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the next generation? Last night, as I was praying for many of the men in the altar, I turned to Pastor and I said, Pastor Josh, the Holy Spirit just whispered in my ear that the next level of intensity, the next level of revival is coming through the men of this church. That when the men rise up, get ready, Katie bar the doors, the power of God is getting ready to move. God always looks for a man. Listen to me, let your kids know you are their number one fan. When you see them in the morning, give them a hug. Don't let them pass by without showing your affection. I still hug my adult children every morning because they still live at my house. <laughs> a blessing I did not ask for, but I thank God for it. My son, my second son just celebrated his 30th birthday. He's still living there. He's saving money, and one day he says he's going to buy a place, but things are getting crazy economically. And somebody said, well, you know, do you mind? I said, no, I don't mind. I hug on him. He's 6'3". I bury my head in his chest before he goes to work. I said, son, I love you. I got, I'm in your corner, man. I love you. Sometimes we were raised to think that we are men, and we don't express our feelings or show emotion. We don't hug our families. No, that would make us look weak. No, it's the exact opposite. When you show your feelings, you're strong. Real men hug their children. Real men show affection and show their family that they are valuable. Real men go out of their way to show their children and their wife that they are loved. Real men understand that in marriage relationship, there's a difference between affection and intimacy, and affection and intimacy is not sex. It may lead to it, but it's not sex. Listen, fathers, our children and our wives have been given to us as a gift. And God has entrusted you with his most prized possession. And he's counting on you as the father to give them that blessing. Your approval, your love, your affirmation can carry more weight than any other person in their life. Listen, there are reasons why people are insecure. There are reasons why people you are working with right now in your office or on the job, there are reasons why they are angry or overly competitive or promiscuous. You see, anger is a secondary issue. They're angry because something happened in their life. And there's a reason why they're promiscuous. There's a reason why they're going from bar to bar over, or they're overly competitive. And in 35 years of ministry, so many times when talking to these types of people over coffee or over counseling, they will admit to me their father never acknowledged their success. Their dads never told them they were proud of them or that they were loved. And sitting across from them, I often think, what a difference it would make if their dad would simply just pick up the cell phone that he has in his pocket and give them a call. If he would just put down his pride and call them and say, have I told you I'm proud of you? That's all you got to say. Have I told you I love you? Have I told you I think you're amazing? If you don't want to even call, you can send something called a text. Duh. And just text them. Have I told you I think you're amazing? I know you're 40 years old, but I think you're amazing. I think you're the most incredible person in the world. 
When's the last time I told you that you mean the world to me? It may seem so simple, yet it carries so much weight. I just did that when I was going over this message in the hotel. My third son, he's getting ready to have his first son, and his, he's sending me all the 3D imaging, and it's so awesome, you know. And, and I texted him this afternoon, and I said, that I, Quentin, have I told you that I love you, that I think you're going to be an amazing father? Have I told you that I'm praying for you, baby? I'm believing for the outpouring of God upon Enzo. I'm believing, God, and, and we just started texting back and forth, and he goes, Dad, you need to stop, I'm at work and I'm crying. <laughs> People are looking at me like I'm weird. This is the blessing that the Bible is speaking about. It seems so simple, yet it carries so much weight. It fills the void that only a father can fill. But sadly... The father who faithfully stands beside his wife and children is becoming more and more a rarity in our society. Again, Christian pollster George Barna says, the average marriage in America in the year 2020 was two and a half years. Two and a half years. Novelist and poet Josiah Holland had it right when he cried out in prayer, God, would you give us godly men? Let me say it again. I believe America needs dads more than we've ever because of what we are facing today. And please, guys, while I'm not trying to lay a guilt trip on fathers tonight, I do want to say that we as fathers need to do everything we can to be godly influence to our children, to our grandchildren, to our wives. Listen, guys, to our in-laws, not the mother-in-law, but the, the daughter-in-law. No, I'm just... No, no, my mother-in-law lives with us now. She's, I tell her every morning, Mom, you're a blessing I didn't ask for. She said, Randy, shut up. She's 92. And I, I know I told you, but I, I love to tease her. I always say, Mom, you need a man. You need a man. She's 92. She says, oh, I got a man. He opens doors that no man can open. She says, oh, God. And I hear her in the room praying. Lord, save Randy. <laughs> if she knows I'm standing out there by the door, she'll say that. She'll, she'll be praying, Lord, save him, forgive him. And then she'll open the door and go, ha, ha. <laughs> so, guys, I'm not laying, I don't want to lay a, a guilt trip on you, but I, I do want you to catch the understanding that your role is so vital and so important. In today's culture, many adults have never grown up themselves. They've abandoned their responsibilities to their families to chase after their own interests. Chris Rock, the comedian, he said this. He said, you know the culture's in trouble when the majority of the children call their grandma mom and their mother Pam. And mom is 30, 40 years old. She's still getting her little boogie on down in the nightclub thinking she's always shopping at Forever 21. You ain't 21 no more. I'll, I'll, I'll get on Facebook and Instagram and it blows me away to see these 40-year-old women taking selfies in the bathroom. You're not 40. You're 40 years old. You're not 21 anymore. Grow up. Grow up. But in today's culture, many adults have never grown up themselves. They've abandoned the responsibility of their family to chase after their own interests. And that's why Andrew Murray said, the secret of home rule is self-rule. First, building a relationship with God for ourselves, modeling what we want our children to be. Our children must see the gospel lived out as well as preached. That's why it doesn't bother me that the children are here. I want them to hear the gospel. They're listening. They're catching it. I want them to see dad in the altar. I want them to see mom in the altar. I want them to see the power of praise as you're lifting your hands. And that's why I went and sat over there during praise and worship. 
because you think they're not paying attention. But those babies came out and they knew every song. They knew they were lifting their hands. And for a couple minutes they would sing. Then they'd go back to play. And then they'd come back and sing. And they would worship the Lord. And I'm just thinking, Lord, just plant a seed deep in their heart. Lord, let them know it. I'm calling out the seed of greatness. Oh, come on, if you believe that, praise him for it. Yes. And every one of us deep down inside are longing for a father's blessing. It's something we are all born with. Every little child on the playground. There could be 20 adults standing around. But if dad is there on the playground, have you ever listened to them? Dad, dad, do you see me? Look how fast I am. Dad, can you see how high I can jump? Mom could be sitting right there with all the other teachers. Daddy, daddy, watch me run. Daddy, you see how high I can jump? We long for our fathers to watch us. We long for our fathers to say, wow, that's really good. Man, you're really fast. You can really run. You're the best. Because when it's our dad, it takes a whole new meaning. Let me also say, grandfathers, you could play a major role in the lives of your grandchildren. Maybe their father is not there for them, and your words spoken into the grandchildren carry the blessing as well. Notice in the scripture it says, it was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. He was speaking a blessing over his grandchildren. This longing for the father's approval and grandfather's approval was put into us by the creator. Your child might be 50 years old, but deep down they're still waiting to, and they want to hear, and they're still looking and saying, watch me, dad. They could be 50 years old. Watch me, Dad. Do you see how my career is going? Do you see how good it's doing? Watch me, Dad. Do, do you see how I'm raising my kids? Do you see how, did you see my house, Dad? Did you see what happened? Yeah, watch me, Dad. Dad, did you see how I landscape my, my yard? Your approval, even later in their life, can be a turning point for them. Your validation of their family, your validation of their accomplishments, it can bring healing and wholeness and set them on a new path. You say, well, Randy, it's way, too, it's way too late now. I mean, my kids are grown, and I came to know Christ later in life. It's never too late. Today is the day of new beginnings. I heard a story about a man who I know personally, let's call him Steve. I won't give you his real name. He grew up with an alcoholic father in a small rural farm country in the Midwest. His dad was a town drunk, and Steve was the star of the football team. In high school, he was an All-American, and he went on to play in college. Football is what Steve lived for. But in spite of all of his accomplishments, deep down, there was a missing piece. As far as he knew, his father had never been to a single football game in high school or college. His father never complimented him, never told him that he was proud of his success. And even though his father was an alcoholic, Steve still longed for his father's approval. Years later, he didn't find out until he had already graduated from college, that his dad attended every single one of his football games. But he stayed way up in the bleachers and never came down to the field because he didn't want to embarrass his son. Well, after Steve's football career, he went to seminary and he became a minister. And one day he received a phone call from his sister that dad had had a major heart attack and a stroke and he's in the hospital and they thought he was going to die. And the sister said, you need to get to the hospital. So he drove across town. He rushed into the room and he was told by the nurse at the nurse's station that his dad was sliding in and out of consciousness. And she didn't know if he would be recognized. Well, sure enough, he walks in the room and his father was not all there. He was sliding in and out of consciousness because of the medication. And he thought that Steve was the cardiologist. He mistook Steve for his doctor. And what happened in the next several minutes changed Steve's life. Because the father wasn't there, he, he thought he was a doctor, and he looked at Steve thinking he was a doctor, and he said, hey, doc, have I ever told you about my amazing son named Steve? And how proud I am of him? That he was the star football player, he led the league in tackles, I never missed a game. Now he's a great pastor of one of the most wonderful churches 
And he went on and on and on bragging about his son, and Steve began to weep. That day he heard the words he'd been waiting to hear for 35 years. He said it was like a healing bomb just was poured over me, and everything that was released on the inside, it filled the void that only my father could fill. And he said, even though some people told me, come on, Steve, let him go. He's an alcoholic. He don't care for you. He said, there, there was still something. I just couldn't blow him off. Maybe like Steve's father, you have not been there for your child. Maybe you've had struggles of your own, and now you think, oh, no, it's too late. I've made poor choices. They're doing better than I am. They don't need me. No, just like Steve, they still need your approval. And don't listen to the lies of the enemy that tells you that you can easily back out. No, you need to stand in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I need to stop right here and confess, I'm not the perfect father. I'm not the perfect husband. No, no, there are times that I feel overwhelmed. There are times I have a bad attitude. There are times that I look at the bills when they come in and I lose it. And certainly many pressures come with fatherhood. Some of us feel ill-equipped. And I know you're sitting here just like me and you're saying, Randy, most of the times I feel ill-equipped. But listen, guys, it's better to be a learning dad than an absent one. And often I say to myself, and I try to live by this thing. I, I learned years ago, it's not what we say, it's what we do because it's who we are. It's not what we say it's what we do because it's who we are. I saw this played out in real life in my family. Over summer break, when my kids were still in high school, my three boys came to me and they go, hey, Dad, let's go to the movies. We'll buy. I said, what? They said, we'll buy. We'll get all the popcorn and everything, but we get to choose the movie. And against my better judgment, I said, yeah, okay, let's go. So we all got in the truck and we all went to the movie theater and they bought the popcorn and they got the soda and they got all the bonbons, all the stuff. And we're sitting there and the trailers went on. And when the movie started, it wasn't five to ten minutes into this movie when they're dropping F-bombs, when they're talking about sexual promiscuity. And I'm watching out of the corner of my eye and all three of my boys have not, they literally turned in their chair and they're staring right at me. The screen is here, but they've literally turned and they're staring right at me. And I could see them out of the corner of my eye. And I lasted about four and a half, five minutes into this thing. And I turned to them and I looked at all of them. And they're all towering over me. They took over the, like the white side of the family, not the Hispanic side. <laughs> and I looked right at them and they're staring at me. And I looked at them and I said, hey, get your nappy head up out of the, get out right now. And I was furious. And I got up and walked out, and here they came. They're, they're, they're kind of jostling each other and pushing. And I turned to start to tear into them, and the youngest one, the third one, he turned to his older brother and said, okay, pay up. <laughs> I said, what? And, and Quentin tells his brothers, Christian and Morgan, pay up. What's going on, guys? My oldest son looked at me. Now he squares up and he looks right at me. And he kind of had a little moisture in his eyes. He goes, hey, Pop, we had a bet to see how long it would take for you to get up and walk out of the theater. And inside, I said, thank you, God, I passed the test. <laughs> yeah. And then he looks at me, my oldest, and I kind of lost it. He goes, Dad, since we were small, you said it's not what we say, it's what we do. Because it's who we are. Gentlemen, this is who we are. And those times that I feel ill-equipped... That's when I've learned to run to my Heavenly Father and say, Lord, I can't do this on my own. I can't make it. Because the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do. And Holy Spirit, I need a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit.
Because, gentlemen, right now in my kids' lives, we're dealing with life issues. They're 31 and 30, I'm 26, my daughter's 24. It's life issues. And I need the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And the greatest legacy we pass on as fathers is not our inheritance. It's not even our good name. It's the spiritual heritage that we give to our children, desiring them to walk in the way of the Lord. Uh, let me wrap this up for you guys really quickly. When King David was on his deathbed, he turned to his son Solomon and he says, As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him with a loyal heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the intent of thoughts. And if you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, Solomon, he will cast you out forever. And God has placed us as the authorities in the life of our children. And in many ways, we as fathers, we represent God to our children. And that being the case, each father here today, no matter where you are in your relationship with your child, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, as I said earlier, today is the day of new beginnings. In fact, I'm going to ask you to say that very softly. I'm going to count to three, and I want all of us to say, today is the day of new beginnings. One, two, three. Today is the day of new beginnings. Say it again. Today is the day of new beginnings. And today is the day we begin to pray and see God's face. And I want to give you several things that I want you to begin to pray about for the blessing. First, pray for a spirit of hope. As we call for an outpouring of the Spirit, let us ask for the Spirit of hope to rest upon our children and our grandchildren and our sons and our daughter-in-laws. For the Holy Spirit, He is the Spirit of hope. And you read that in Romans 5, 5. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He has given us. And friends, God says, I will give you a future and a hope and you won't be disappointed in that hope. Because my love is going to pour out onto you by my Spirit. And by that flow of love in you, two things will happen. That love will begin intercession and a prayer. That, that love will begin to have a tenderness of touch. That wherever you might be, you need to pray for a spirit of hope upon your children. Upon your sons and daughters. Lord, would, the Lord would have us pray for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the next generation. And say, Lord, give them a spirit of hope. Let them know there's hope. In a lost and hurting and chaotic world, let them know their hope in Jesus. Second, pray for an outpouring of the spirit of faith. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with him, Jesus, and present us with you in his presence, 2 Corinthians 4.15. The resurrection power of the Lord and the spirit of faith gives us confidence that there is no situation too dead, that where death has crowded in, there is the promise of God turning that situation around, at the very least in the person's life to the point that they look past every hopeless situation with faith knowing that at any moment God's resurrection power and his anointing can bring life into their marriage, can bring life into their home. There's no disease that Jesus cannot heal. There's no human that he cannot save. There's no culture that he cannot reach. We must pray for a spirit of faith to come into their life. And third, pray for the outpouring of the spirit of wisdom. Proverbs 1 and 20, wisdom calls aloud in the street. She raises her voice in the public square. At the head of the noisy street, she cries out. In the gateways of the city, she makes her speech. If you had responded to my rebuke, I would have poured out my heart to you and made my thoughts known to you. In other words, wisdom poured out by the spirit of wisdom. The spirit of wisdom is that work of the spirit that will help your children learn how to live. We don't need any more knowledge. We've got more knowledge than we know what to do with. Did you know you've got more knowledge in this telephone right now, the iPhone 13, than they actually sent the first man to the moon in the Apollo spacecraft? And they're telling us that our children have fallen behind because of the COVID. So they don't need any more knowledge. They need wisdom on what to do with the knowledge they already have. If you have daughters and they're teenagers in college, they need the wisdom to stand in front of the mirror and say, Lord, is this appropriate for a daughter of heaven to wear? 
Your sons need the wisdom, Lord. How do I train and how do I teach and how do I do things? Mere education or knowledge is not what man needs. Pray for an outpouring of spirit of wisdom. Lord, help them make great choices. And he's going to do it. I want the musicians to come quickly. Several years ago, my third son, who's now uh, going to be a dad, Quentin, <laughs> he was at the University of Arkansas where he was going to school. He's a sophomore. And he calls me in the middle of the night on a Friday night. Hey, Dad. Hey, what? We got a problem. I said, we got a problem? He goes, yeah, we got a problem. I said, Quentin, what problem do we have? He goes, well, the problem we have is I lost the keys to my truck. I go, no, uh, uh we don't got a problem. You got a problem. He goes, no, no, Dad, you don't understand. I was down on Dixon Street. Now, Dixon is where all the bars are. He, doesn't know I, he didn't know I knew that at the time. He's in college. And, and I parked my truck in the wrong parking area, and they towed it. I said, again, son, we don't have a problem. You got a problem. He goes, Dad, I'm accumulating all this, these fees. And I said, well, that's, you better go to that Mexican restaurant where you work and you wait her tables and ask them for more time because, you know, you're 20-some-odd you're years old and you made a dumb choice and, and you got a problem. He goes, no, Dad, you don't understand. They said that if I don't pay the fees, it's going on my school bill. We now have a problem. <laughs> I said, why didn't you state, why didn't you lead with that? He said, I told you we had a problem. He said, but don't worry. Mom and I have worked it out. And I looked over at my wife, because we're laying in bed there, and I could see her cracking up. And she goes, she pulls her head out from under the blanket. She goes, is that Quentin? I said, yeah, thanks. And I said, what have you and your mom? And I pushed her. I was going to Dutch oven her, but I decided not to. It's a men's night. I said, what problem did you and mom work out? She said, well, she told me you're preaching in Tulsa on Sunday, and you're getting up early, and you're driving there. I said, yeah. Well, Fayetteville is only two hours a little further outside of Tulsa. And mom said you could leave two hours early and bring me the extra set of keys that are on the hook by the door. And she's laughing. So that next morning, I get up two hours early. It's like 3 o'clock in the morning. And I'm going to drive two hours to Fayetteville, University of Arkansas, and then drive the rest of the way to Tulsa to preach. And I'm in the car, and the Holy Spirit and I are having a conversation. I said, Lord, yes, mijo. My son's a knucklehead. Does anybody else have knuckleheaded children? They're wonderful. You love them. And I said, Lord, can you just help my son make better choices? And I'm driving, and I'm listening to praise and worship music, and the Holy Spirit says back, is that all you want? What? Do you only want me to help your son make better choices? I said, well, no, Lord. Well, what do you really want? Holy Spirit, I... I want the power of God to fall on him and overpower sickness and healing and bring healing in him. I want the anointing of the Holy Spirit to drive out every demonic force that would be around him. I'm asking, Lord, that you overlord depression and joy begin to replace him. Lord, I'm asking you to open his mind to the things he needs as he's studying in college and close his mind to the things he doesn't. I'm asking you, Lord, that he be more of a threat to hell than hell is a threat to him. Lord, raise him up to the Moses task. And I'm driving my truck, Shanita, down the highway, I-44. I call her Shanita because Shanita knew brakes. And she, 
you need a new front end? And I'm crying. And I'm listening to praise and worship music. I'm saying, Lord, would you just pour out your favor on him? And the Lord let me go that way for about 45 minutes, you know. And when I finished, I got real quiet. And I heard him say, Randy, then pray that way all the time. Pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit on your sons and daughters. On the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the next generation. Would you stand right now? And I want our prayer team to come. Because I'm going to call every man, every son, every husband, to step out at the count of three and come by faith. I want you to bring your dysfunctions. I want you to bring your strongholds. I want you to bring your confusion and your doubts. There are men in this room that the devil's trying to take you out and ruin your marriage. He's trying to convince you that it's too late. But remember, liberation comes because of an overlording of the anointing of the personality of the Holy Spirit. His personality overlords your strongholds. His personality overlords your weakness. His personality overlords all the things that would cause you. And he will give you strength to do what you cannot do. He'll give you strength to stand against those temptations and those addictions. If you'll just say, Lord, walk with me. Lord, walk with me. I need every woman praying right now because this next outpouring of the Holy Spirit, your church will explode if your men will rise up and say, Lord, send the anointing. We're living in a culture that the demasculinity, they're trying to demasculinize all the children and all the men, and God needs a church that will rise up and say, no, 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 we are sons of the living God. We've been cut from the same cloth of Jeremiah and Enoch and Job. We are from the lineage of David. We know in whom we are, and we know that we are the sons of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we shall rise up under the anointing. And the Holy Spirit promised me that there's going to be men set free and delivered of alcohol tonight, of pornography tonight. There's men that are about to be delivered, set free from fear and worry and oppression. And then you're going to begin to pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the next generation. Holy Spirit, you promised me. I stand on your word in the name of Jesus. At the count of three, gentlemen, you respond by faith, and God will meet you here. Depression, go. Fear, go. Alcohol, go. Pornography, go. In its place, healing, deliverance, anointing. Father, heal marriages. At the count of three. Church, pray. In fact, right now, all over the building, just lift your hands and begin to pray right now. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Just lift your hands. Just lift your hands. In Jesus' name. That's it. Just cry out to him. For the, Pastor, Pastor Josh had us do it. You just cry out. Thank him for what's about to happen. If you have the gift of a prayer language, it's perfectly appropriate to use it right now. I'm going to release you to pray in the spirit right now. Right now. Because we are dealing with a spiritual conflict and a spiritual warfare. That's it. Don't stop. Bathe this place. Altar workers, you need anointing oil. It is the anointing of the Holy Spirit that breaks every bondage. It is the anointing of the Holy Spirit that sets people free. That's it. Don't stop. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. For the Bible says, he who speaks in unknown tongue, it is he who speaks to God. It is for the edification of the church. It is perfectly doctrinally and theologically appropriate for you right now to pray in the Spirit. 
that spirit of intercession. If the enemy is going to fight in the spirit, then we've got to use supernatural warfare against him. And at the count of three, every man that says, that's me, Randy, will they lay hands on me? I need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. I'm coming in faith and not by sight. I'm believing God. I want to pray for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on my children. I want to pray for the Holy Spirit of God to move in my home. I need to be set free from things that I cannot do on my own. I need the power of God to set me free. To pray. At the count of three. Gentlemen, you come. And in just a moment, I'm going to have your wife come and stand with you. But right now, I need the men. The count of three, gentlemen, you come. 